2: Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Billboard on Broadway podcast. I'm your host, Rebecca Milzoff, Features Editor at Billboard and Broadway expert here. So if you were a fan of the CW show Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, and really, if you're a theater person, you most likely were, this past week or so has been a little sad because after four seasons, the show ended. I'm not going to give any spoilers here, of course, for those who haven't watched it yet about how it ended, but I am going to reflect on happier times when the show was still on and in the midst of telling the story of Bloom's Rebecca Bunch. Back in December of 2017, when the show was in the midst of its third season Bloom came to the podcast with her co-writers Jack Dolgen and Adam Schlesinger, whose name you might also recognize from the band Fountains of Wayne, to go deep on how they managed to write several thoughtful and highly entertaining musical numbers for every episode of the show and how their own love of musical theater played into their process. This week felt like the perfect time to bring it back, both to remember the incredible amount of work that went into making the show as brilliant as it was, and also because although the show is now off the air, you still have many chances to see its cast and hear its music. The cast is going to be performing at Radio City Music Hall in New York on May 14th and 15th. Rachel, who, if you watch the Tonys, has been an incredibly amazing backstage reporter uh, this past couple years, is going to be hosting the Obie Awards on May 20th. In case you're not familiar, these are the awards that honor off and off, off Broadway actors and productions. And she's going to be performing solo shows in London on June 2nd and 3rd.
0: You're like Professor Snape in his sad dungeon with his potions Cause somehow you don't have that sucky thing called emotions Fifty shades of morally grey And thongs are so uncomfortable so Strip it all away Strip it all away Strip it all away
2: Just up my butt. Since one person is not in this office and two people are here with me, why don't you each tell us who you are so we know who's
0: speaking? I'm Rachel Bloom. Oh, uh, <laughs> a co creator of uh, crazy ex girlfriend. I also play Rebecca Bunch, and I also am one of the songwriters.
1: I'm just gonna make some mouth noises. <laughs> Wow. I'm I'm Adam Schlesinger. Um, I am one of the songwriters as well, and I am the music producer on the show. Executive music producer. Yeah, that's a title that um, Aline made up for me, which yeah, I like very yeah, much. Yeah, lean in. Executive music producer. Do you sound very important. Thank you.
3: Uh, I'm Jack Dolgen. I am a writer-producer on the show and one of the songwriters. Hooray.
2: So... The first thing I wanted to talk to you all about, having now written over a hundred songs together, which is pretty incredible. Um, you know, in both the pop and musical theater worlds, I feel like getting songwriting teams together can take years, and uh, even then, finding. A uh, vibe that works can take even longer. So, how did the three of you get together in the first place and realize, okay, we have sensibilities that will work writing songs on a weekly basis together?
0: I feel like this is the first scene in the musical that we're about to launch into. Wow. <laughs> well, I'll start. I I had started working with Jack um, uh, years ago. Jack knew my boyfriend, who's now my husband, and I needed to produce a song that I wanted to do as a musical sketch. The song ended up being fuck me Ray Bradbury for the people out there. Yes. <sighs> oh my God. Adam's breathing weird. Oh, that was applause. No, I know oh. <laughs> that was just, I was no butting the bit. Okay. I'm sorry. Um, uh, and so I, uh, approached Jack to help me, uh, write and produce the song. And then Jack and I, uh, I mean, he produced and, and co-wrote most of the songs that I did on YouTube before crazy X that's how I met Jack.
1: And then I came into this um, because I was friends with Aline McKenna, who's uh, the showrunner. And um, I'd never worked with her before, but they were looking for somebody to possibly just write some songs and help with production. It was a little bit nebulous what my role was going to be at first. But I, I came into it. You know, they were already a team. And I just said, well, you guys already have a thing going. And I can do as much or as little as you need me to do. If you want me to write stuff, I can write stuff. If you, if you got it, you want me to just produce it. I'll just produce it. And eventually we just kind of hit a groove where we were all writing and trading ideas. And we sort of had similar sensibilities anyway.
3: I mean, it was a tremendous amount of luck. I think, I mean, Rachel and I just clicked right away and that was, and that's a certain amount of luck, you know, just like that, you know, two people work together for the first time and it's like, Oh, this is really good. And, and we kept working together and and it worked well. And then to add a third songwriter into the mix regardless of how I mean Adam is obviously like so talented and had this incredible career already but just because people are are talented songwriters doesn't mean they'll write well together you know that's a there's a chemistry and a sort of a there's a magic factor to that and when the three of us started working together it just clicked right away it was really like I mean I that the luck of that is really not lost on me that like somehow we all jive right away, and, and and I actually think we've gotten even better as as we've written more songs. Fortunately, we've been able to write a lot of them.
0: Yeah, and I think what's really great is we all, for the most part, have the mentality of best idea wins, which is kind of how we all end up collaborating on every song. And even if someone does a, a pass, say someone is like, I'm, I got this song, I'm going to write this whole song, um, we still then will you know, chime in with various things. And it's just, I don't know. I feel like there's very little ego about, it's just like best idea wins.
1: It's also because there's so much that we have to do that. It's almost like if somebody has an idea that is good, we're all excited that that one's something we could check off the list of like to do. It's like, Oh yeah, that's good. That'll work. Let's move on to the next one. You know?
3: Mm -hmm. And Adam's um, uh, music producing uh, abilities really give us a tremendous amount of freedom in the songwriting because we can we know that we can write a song in any genre and he's going to be able to produce it and deliver a song that sounds awesome as you know like if you didn't you know rachel and i used to have this like this standard this goal when we were working on songs before and we've continued it now which is that like if you didn't know English or you know and you just heard the song and you didn't know it was a joke or a comedy song that the song would sound like that just like a great song in that genre and Adam's songwriting and music producing skills really just like let us do whatever we want because we know it's going to come out sounding great thank you very much jack thank you, <laughs> thank
2: you. Well, Adam, I mean, you. when I saw your name on the show in the first place, you seemed like such a natural match because you have such, I, I think of you as someone with a really encyclopedic knowledge of pop melodies over time and also having worked in theater. And I assume you were a theater lover all along as well.
1: I, well, I mean, I, I sort of pretended to be in order to get this job, but... Um. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I actually really hate most theater. I I occasionally like something, but most of the time when I go to see something in the theater, I walk out just like muttering about how terrible it was and just angry about the songs. Oh, sorry. That was my phone. Um, Jesus Christ. So amateur. Um, No, I, I think that there is huge potential for real comedy in music and real comedy in theater, but a lot of time it's not taken advantage of. And I think what's so amazing about what Rachel's been doing um, is that it's actually funny and it's also actually really musical, so you know, mm-hmm. I love the idea of funny musical songs, but most of the time when I go to see a show it's just it's not really that funny. it's kind of like clever funny or or just not funny so this totally. this show I think is just actually funny so i was I was excited to get involved and i mean this 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 job for me is like the perfect fit for my weird skill set there's no other there's no other job like this that I know of where you can come in and do all these different genres and write comedy and just trade ideas with people that have a similar sense of humor.
2: Is, I, I wondered if it's the fact that you're always working within or referencing some genre or some show or composer, is that freeing in a way for you guys that you don't feel like for every song it has to be like some new sound that nobody has ever heard before?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that's what... I think it, when it stuff starts to feel a little unfamiliar and scary is, is when it's not necessarily like um like a specific genre when we are like m- making a new sound i feel like that's where the writing process will take like a little longer whereas like if you have a song like the moment is me which is just such a what we call a like, clean kill of a song like that is just us making fun of musical theater mm-hmm. um i personally i, I really love I-, I love working with adam and jack so much and one of the many reasons is that because the two of them aren't really musical theater fans i i'm such a musical theater geek that if left to my own devices, I I could, you know, I easily fall into, like, I could fall into, like, musical theater smaltz And I think that we have a real, a really good, like, cheese alarm. And so even <laughs> when we're doing something like A Diagnosis or Stupid Bitch, which were both kind of scary songs for me to work on, because they both, they came from a really, like, genuine place that in a way were, weren't taking the piss out of something that, like, I can trust... That well, my other songwriters like they have a, a higher cheese factor, a, a less less of a tolerance for cheese. <laughs> so, like, there won't be anything that gets through that feels um, schmaltzy in a way that I fear.
3: I mean, we try and we try and make sure that this that the songs are not just fun, but funny. And I think that distinction is kind of what Adam's talking about with mm-hmm. musical theater, where it's like things can become sort of just cute or they're fun and. Um, Funny and fun are very different, and and we we go for funny. And then I, on the genre side of things, you know, we 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 typically use the genre as the straight man. You know, if you're doing a, thinking about it in sketch terms, or like a comedic duo, the the genre is the straight man. The genre is just like the the regular thing. If it, you know, it's like a country song. It sounds like a country song, you know? And then we play against the tropes of that genre. So it's kind of actually a necessary and kind of core aspect of doing a comedy song in the way we do them.
1: Yeah, Mm -hmm. in in a way, when it comes to doing arrangements as well, the arrangements have to be sometimes like the most cliched version of whatever that genre is because you don't want the arrangement to be musically interesting in some way that's going to distract from the lyric or what's going on on camera. Mm -hmm.
0: Um, Same thing in com. I mean, it's such a thing, uh, an interesting through line through all comedy um, with it's why uh, uh, I supervise the edit on a lot of the music videos. And it's very important that the edits be very kind of straightforward. You can't do what you'd normally do in a music video and have like crazy cuts and like crazy angles that don't fit into the genre that are trying to be experimental because that goes against the joke. And likewise, you can't have if you're. If the point of the scene is to be funny, you kind of want to have just like straightforward coverage of it, because if you start getting too experimental in a way that isn't the story you're telling, it conflicts with that. And I just that's an interesting running the people that I've found that I like working with Adam and Jack, especially included, like understand, no, we're telling this story and anything and everything else has to serve the purpose of the point of the song, the story we're telling, and anything that's kind of experimental or just like, but wouldn't it be cool if the production value would be cool if that, that doesn't serve the story, it just easily dies?
2: Well, to that point, I've noticed that even I think even the huger production numbers that you've done, I can imagine them happening on stage in some way, too. They don't seem like things like, oh, well, if this wasn't on TV, there's no way it would function. There is even the things that have like very high production value and are elaborate. I can see them working within the context of a show, which seems to me to go along with what you were saying about it should serve the story, no matter how kooky it is.
1: I, I think some of that is just budgetary, too. I mean, every time they have to set up a different camera shot, the producer is like, do we really need this extra camera shot? You know, it's just so expensive to even just turn the camera the other way. So when they try to they try to do things as much as sort of like am i right about that like you're, no
0: you're 100% right i mean it's it, it's i mean we could go through all the music videos and talk exactly what adams talking about which is depending on where we are in the season it's like okay we have to shoot something proscenium style three cameras going all at once we can't afford to have i mean when i was doing stuff on youtube my impulse with scripts was to like write a lot of funny inserts and when i was just working with a, a canon 5d on a um on a tripod, you could go in for a quick insert, but you're working on this big stage. Even going in for an insert takes, you know, 30 minutes to set up. And so you have to be, you have to sometimes simplify the shots when we're running, especially when we're running uh, low on money, which happens in the middle of the season.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, going back to talking about genre, I'm curious in the classic, like, what comes first, the music or the lyrics? What comes first, the genre or the song? Do you have to have the song in place to know what genre works, or do you say, I really want to have a like crazy 50s, four seasons style song in this episode. And then the Santa Ana Wins happens.
3: <laughs> I think it's fair to say that usually, you know, we do so many songs that you're going to get. You're going to get every combination. You know, we certainly have like genres that we've had in the back of our mind. Like, hey, let's look out for an opportunity to do that genre. But for the most part, since we're we're doing these songs within a narrative story, the song usually is born out of a character point of view, um, that is merging with um, the theme and the plot of the episode, and so the idea usually is coming out of some sort of internal or emotional experience for the character, and you know the joke of it or the uh, or the like point of view then sort of begs a certain genre or um, what's the genre that. Highlight, will highlight that joke or that point of view best. And, you know, sometimes it's, it's the other way around. But it seems like, would you say, Rachel, that that's more often than not?
0: Yeah, I mean, it's a it's a tough needle to thread finding the not only the premise of the song, but like even just the hook or that that chorus line is the hardest thing because you're trying to serve so many masters. You're trying to create a comedy song that stands on its own, but also you're not trying to create something that comes out of left field. I think a lot of general comedy songs in a vacuum or like can be about really trivial things but on our show we would never be like I'm gonna go get a cup of coffee you know what I love most about coffee it makes you shit you know we can't really (laughs) which is a great song but we can't really do that so it so I think that's like the hardest that's always like the hardest thing for us and sometimes that comes from oh it's gonna be like a Renette style song about Rebecca and her mom but like okay well what's the actual course of that Mm-hmm.
3: and that's why a lot of the songs are the idea from the song comes it gets um happens in the writer's room so mm-hmm. while we're breaking the story or figuring out the story the plot the you know what's going on with the character and we're working like through the arc of the episode you know we're finding and looking for those song moments um and so usually that's you know, it's kind of an intellectual thing, you know, or you're exploring the emotion of the character.
2: So it sounds to me then like the writing of the songs isn't necessarily the first thing that happens in the process for every episode.
0: No, I mean, it, it rarely happens. I mean, if we're in the first part of the season, there are certain songs we've had in mind. I mean, definitely, I know that I wanted to do some sort of sexy fossy song. That was Rebecca singing to Nathaniel. And originally, I think the song was like the, the the dummy title was Teach Me How to Be Terrible. But then you guys, we all brainstormed. And, I, and then it was something, Strip Away My Conscience. I want to say that was you, Jack.
3: I don't remember. I, Someone it, else. It, it, it wasn't me
0: who suggested that. And I was like, oh, that's fantastic. Because that gives you also the comedic pattern of the song, which is finding different sexy ways to talk about losing one's morality, but but one to one with stripping and sex moves so that that's the pattern. So,
2: is the, I mean, to, to me, it seems like you must have to write at a very fast pace. Is that the case? I mean, I it, it seems like it would be a very exhausting, particularly for you, Rachel,
0: having so many roles on the show. Yeah. The thing is, we all have so many roles like there. There is no one on the show whose sole job it is to write songs. Adam is That's producing. It. Jack is in the writer's room. Also, he's at all of the mixes. Also, he's at every music spotting session. Uh, and I'm acting. <laughs> and so it's uh, it's very, very... It's hard, right, guys?
1: Yeah, I mean, we try to stockpile stuff before production starts at the beginning. We usually get together a couple months before production and mm-hmm. shooting begins and try to get as many songs going as we can because we know eventually it's going to catch up and then we're going to get, you know, behind, and or if not behind, just you know, we're closer to the deadlines as we go.
0: Mm -hmm. I have a fun idea. This is not planned, but to give you a (laughs) sense of our process, you guys are going to hate me. Like, give us. Oh, no, just make just no, 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 no. I'm not saying we have to write a song right now, but I'm saying to give you a sense of how we brainstorm, like, just make up like what's a a storyline. Just make up a storyline on Crazy X and just we'll spend like two minutes being like what song would highlight that moment. So just anything. Okay, I would
2: say. Like, Josh strikes up a friendship with whoever is selling all the bubble tea.
0: Great. Okay, great. First of all, love that. Josh strikes up a friendship. Okay, so, but but what's, like, an emotional thing that could happen in the story? Do they like each other? Do they have a fight?
2: Uh, He is feeling lost because no women are in love with him, and he looks across the, like, counter one day and all of a sudden, like... The, the person, whoever it may be, male or female, mm-hmm. just sort of like lights up with little glitter. And he's like, oh, I never considered this bubble tea person who I see oh, every day, okay. but who provides this like comforting. Like you were there the whole
3: time me. and I didn't see you. Yes. Which right. is a
0: song we wrote called Duh. Oh, yeah.
3: <laughs> but also, well, okay, you so- know, there's there might be something to like. uh uh y- Like um he loves me like I love bo- like, like I love Boba, mm-hmm. like, you know, like c- comparing or 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 creating like a symmetry between the emotional connection with a human being with how much he loves Boba tea.
0: Yeah. I was thinking like, I kind of am having this visual of like Josh surrounded by floating bubbles of Boba (laughs) and sitting on one of the bubbles is like this girl that he's falling in love with. And it's a song that's like, love is a lot like Boba tea, but it's, but the game of it is that it's like metaphors that keep falling apart where it's like, love is a lot like Boba tea in that it's chewy, I guess. And that could be the game. And that could be the game of the song where he's like trying to find, he's trying to find the like it's similes, a metaphor, that works. a metaphor that works, but like it never actually works. And what he and then he just at the end he goes, ah, oh, fuck it, I'll just ask her out. <laughs>
3: uh, it, uh, tap tap tapioca of my heart.
0: There we go. Uh, and I think it would be.
1: I don't know what bubble tea is, so this is a hard one. What are for you days. talking about? It's I boba. It's, it's
2: tapioca, tapioca balls. balls. In I don't
1: a... know what that is. What are you? I have have no you idea. watched so, you
2: Watch Crazy, crazy, crazy ex Yeah,
1: but I mean, I don't know. Wait,
0: you've never had boba? <laughs> no, I don't, I
1: don't. It's really disgusting. good. It's yeah. it's
0: well,
3: okay. Let's a, not
0: be culturally insensitive, but it's
3: a chewable beverage. I'm sorry, Jack. You know Jack. what? You're Wait, entitled to your opinion. It's not culturally insensitive to not like a drink.
0: <laughs> well, you know what? I'm not the arbiter of this. I'll just say it comes from Taiwan, my, and my... I find it delightful.
2: <laughs> I'm with you. <laughs>
1: My, my my younger daughter, I'll, I'll be like, we should go to a Japanese restaurant tonight. And she'll be like, why do you have to call it a Japanese restaurant?
0: That's hilarious. Like
1: I'm being racist.
0: You know, what, Jack, I'm sorry. You're entitled to your opinion. And that was not culturally insensitive. In fact, that was culturally insensitive of me to pin you for being culturally insensitive. And I am so, so sorry.
3: And this is how we write a song. Yeah, this is literally how we write a song. <laughs>
1: Done.
0: Oh, oh, and by the way, I feel like the I feel like the genre of that Just of that song that we just brainstormed, which I actually don't think is a bad song, by the way, would be K-pop because Vinny's been wanting to do K-pop.
1: Oh, K-pop is good. And K-pop,
0: you can do a lot of those interesting visuals. You could make it really colorful. I mean, we might do the song next season though.
1: All right. So I think you get like a third of this song. Oh, wow. Thank you. I want to see this happen. (laughs) I want
2: to see the Tap, tap,
0: tapioca of my heart.
1: Tap,
2: tap, tapioca on my heart.
1: Yeah. Tarot,
0: tarot. Oh, oh, oh. Okay, But I just thought of something and then we'll move on. Tarot, T-A-R-O, is a flavor of milk tea and boba, but also T-A-R-O-T are the cards that you look at. When you're trying to figure out your fortune. So he'd be like, I'm looking through the tarot, Whew. trying to find my fortune. Look, oh boy. It's, Look, okay, that's probably on the cutting room floor. But this is what it is. It's stream of consciousness. See, Something's, this is thing you have
1: to go through a lot of bad ideas to get to a good one.
0: Okay, that wasn't, a, that wasn't a bad idea. I'd say that was like an A to C idea. That could be like an interesting bridge. Like I the, think my idea was
2: excellent. The
0: kernel of an interesting bridge is tarot and tarot.
2: I like it. And then there could be a little floating heads on the tarot cards of his of his romantic. Yes.
0: yes. You know what? You're the new Jack. Jack, <laughs> you're, you're the... done.
2: <laughs> Thank you. The word <laughs> I'm done.
0: <laughs> Jack, I'm so sorry. That was really insensitive of me. You're not done and I really value you as a coworker and a person and a friend.
3: Amazing. I I think you're just trying to get rid of me because I'm Jewish and it's
2: very clear. That doesn't work on this particular podcast. Um, Since you just mentioned K-pop, I was I was realizing that maybe it's just my personal favorite songs on Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. But I find that there are so many pop references, but I find that even if they're only from a couple of years ago, there is a little bit of a nostalgic bent. One of one of my absolute favorite songs that probably my friends are tired of me hearing talking about is Frontopia.
0: Mm. Oh yeah! I
2: really enjoy Frontopia and performing it for friends. Yeah. Um, and obviously I how, how for the what year were you, you born? When you eighty uh, two. Okay, got it. Yeah, I, I always like to <laughs> when yeah. you
3: say. When you say performing it for your friends, can you just describe what what does that mean? What does that look like? <laughs> yeah,
2: <laughs> I particularly like the the spoken part with the "I'm the one with the torture device" or with uh-huh. her line. Zara torture, Zara
0: Zarr- uh-huh. Zarr-
1: Zarr- torture. Oh, torture. Yes. Oh,
0: <laughs> I poison the water supply. Really I really, yeah, I, yeah. I think... really
1: like that song a lot. That's yes. a good one. I
0: love that song too. That's such a fun one. Yeah, it's
2: really spot
0: on, and also like girl power. That was a song that really kind of um. We were, that was episode six of the second season, which is right when we start to really get fucked on budget. And I, we could afford to do a proscenium style setting, which ended up working great. That war room setting, which was the idea of our director, Stuart McDonald, who's brilliant. And then it was like, we have to film on one of our standing sets. And it ended up being really cool because had we had like all of the money in the world, it would have just been... I don't know, really high tech. We probably would have done some really cool stuff, but because it was home based, we just set it in a dystopic, in a dystopic? Is mm-hmm. that the right way mm-hmm. to pronounce that? Dystopic version of where the scene took place. And so that ended up actually really helping the song and like grounding the song.
3: Well, it also lent itself to the movement of. The girls just like running around through the space.
0: Totally. To- because that's, that's what wannabe is. Like wannabe is a, is in essence a music video in one take. And the Spice Girls are just kind of oh, fucking up this place. And so that's what we did with a lot of friendopia. Yeah. Amazing.
2: So I feel like an emerging theme here is that budget constraints often lead to really <laughs> totally. great ideas. Yeah. But I feel like that's true in like artsy things in general. Like when you have a specific space to work within, sometimes the best ideas. End up coming out of it, as opposed to yeah. I think limitations of all
1: kinds are are actually beneficial to being creative. I mean, not just not just in terms of money, but also in terms of you know, like if if I'm producing a record, it's good to. I mean, like if you're working with a band, it's the same thing. You make some decisions beforehand. If like, okay, we're not going to have any keyboards on this record, or just something really big to give Mm -hmm. the whole thing, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, or just deadlines in general are good. So.
0: Yeah, structure kind of overlaps with technique in a way. Like, you need some form of boundaries, even if you end up breaking them. But I feel most of the songs we do, we're, we are writing within strict-ish, strict-ish structures of, like, here's what the genre is. We can't do anything that is outside the genre because then it won't help the idea or joke of the song. And I really like I really like starting with pre-established structures and then I would break, say and breaking the,
3: them. The, the same goes for the restraints of story. You know, I think with uh, you hinted this earlier, Mm -hmm. Rachel, but I think that like having having like the restriction of the story or the plot of the episode um, bearing on the song also gives you this like great um, and pushes you, you know, to like come up with a more unique or specific idea.
0: Yeah, you're totally right. I'm trying to think of like the best example of what you just said, because that's so spot on. I mean, like. The, a good example of of the kind of early on, and I think both versions of the song were great, but the first version of "I Love My Daughter," that was and that was a song mainly written by Jack. It was like originally it was a lot kind of creepier, but we didn't. Well, it's called
3: "I Love My Daughter," but, but not in a
0: creepy way. But it, but the joke <laughs> was like kind of it getting creepier and creepier, and then it was like, oh well, we don't actually want to sell out Daryl like as an isolated comedy song, and then so we. Kind of refocused it and Jack kind of refocused it to be like, oh, it's it's Daryl getting tripped up on himself and realizing, oh, God, this stuff is creepy. <laughs> and what a unique, well, like another unique way to go with it that also inform- was informed by the character choice. And that's just an example of something early on where like, oh, it, it didn't it didn't uh, to take into account not selling out the character. It didn't ruin the song.
1: Ryan Reynolds here from Mint mobile.
0: It was just another angle.
1: Yeah.
0: Hmm. Um, But the version you wrote was really good.
2: (laughs) (laughs) That's a good one. I... People are being attacked by microphones. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to talk about this season specifically a bit and starting with the theme song. Um, hey, hey. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> the theme song for for someone who loves pop references. There are just so
0: many to... I feel like every episode I'm like, oh, I didn't
2: notice we, that. We
1: did about 40 oh. theme songs before we landed on that one. It, was just, it would not end. <laughs> this was
0: the most stressful process uh, songwriting we've ever had on the show is coming up with this theme song. It oh was... My God. Oh, it was... I mean, I kind of want to do a show... In L.A. where we just sing all of the cut theme songs from this <laughs> year. Because we have like, I think we actually have 20.
1: And there were some that they we thought that we were done and they actually hung in for a couple of weeks. yeah, And then somehow they got undone.
0: Well, and it was, look, and it was different people vetoing different things in different times. And I won't get into who vetoed what because that's how you start fighting again. <laughs> um, but what, the kind of crux of it was that we started writing the season, and it was about this girl hellbent on revenge. But then as we continued to write the season, it became clear, and we already kind of knew this, but the more that we wrote the season and kind of delayed settling on a theme song, the revenge part is, it's really only the first four episodes. And so it was like, okay, well, do we want to live in a revenge theme song when we're, you know, past the idea of revenge? And so because it's such a propulsive season, it's more plot than we've did, done in the first two seasons. I mean, the first season... She doesn't even admit to anyone that she loves Josh until the ninth episode, which is why that theme song sustained itself. The second season is she never stops being in love with Josh. Um, And so I think that is what made it hard is is landing on the theme song.
2: Well, I was curious, going back to the beginning of the show, did you always plan to have a different theme song for each season or was that something that. Happened as the show evolved.
1: Did you? That's, I don't know. Uh, I didn't know about mm. it when, when you said, hey, I want to do a new theme song for season two. And oh, I remember that. I was that, sort of right? like, yeah, you know, people don't really do that. That's yeah. kind of like you leave that alone, because that's like the brand of the show. And
0: yeah. And she was like,
1: I don't give a fuck. I'm going to do whatever I want. Yeah, 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 yeah. I can have 20 theme songs. Very rogue about it. Yeah. I think there
0: was one point this season where you, Adam, were like, why don't we just have a different theme song for every episode? <laughs> yeah. And um, then it was like, we, no, Sarah Kaplan, our line producer, will kill us. Um, It was... No, that wasn't necessarily the idea. It became clear halfway through the first season that after Rebecca had admitted she loves Josh, the whole song was about, but that's not why I'm here. The whole song was about denial. And so, I mean, there was this moment in the Dream Ghost episode of the first season where (laughs) Dr. Copian says, like, tell me what your deal is again. And Rebecca looks at the camera and rolls her eyes. And because in the script we were feeling like, oh, We've, we've told this story so many times. She's admitted she loves Josh now. And then when we change it for the second season, that's when we set the bar for ourselves to <laughs> to change it every season. It's hard. It's really hard. It's a hard show. Well, it's...
2: I mean, number one, it's possible that I'm slow, but for both the second and third seasons, it took me a few episodes to realize that the theme song had changed and that it wasn't just like a musical number opening each episode. That's a good point, actually. I never thought of that. That was one thing. And then, um, I mean, I feel like the theme song for the first season seemed to so like completely encompass what the conceit of the show was going to be. Yeah. And I wonder if you see the conceit as something that has changed as you've gone through three seasons. Yeah.
3: Uh, I mean, no. so certainly every se- every season has an arc and it has a uh, trajectory that's unique within the greater arc of the series. So it's kind of cool to highlight that with the theme song each season. Um, almost, a, almost the way you would like, you know, a chapter. It's like a new chapter, mm-hmm. you know.
2: No, it, it does a little bit of reframing. Well, so going back to this season's theme song, I mean, it's very fun to see all the little, I mean, the Carrie Underwood moment is a personal favorite
0: oh, of mine. Yeah, it ended <laughs> up great. It ended up great. It did. I love it. <laughs> it I really awesome. do. I love this theme song. Yep. And yeah, it's 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 great. So. And the
1: video is great, too. I mean, it's just, it yeah. came out visually really amazing, I think.
3: So what were you directed thinking? Directed by Joseph Kahn.
0: Yes, who directed episode four as well, and also directs most of Taylor Swift's videos. Hmm
2: interesting overlap so what were you thinking when you were putting it together like what did you want to be referencing like I mean to me it's it made me think like I never realized how many different ways of looking at a woman as crazy as a good or a bad thing come up in pop
0: music well it came from the idea of here, here's what happened is that the theme song for the first two seasons was what is the story Rebecca's telling herself um, because our show's kind of meta in that we're 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 taking on tropes partially because this is a person who doesn't know who she is inside. And so she looks at outside tropes to define who she Hmm. is and what she does. And so the story she was telling herself, the narrative was I Josh just happens to be here. And that was most of season one. Season two is I'm just a girl in love. I'm not responsible for anything. Season three became a little harder because the story she's telling herself keeps shifting. Uh, the original theme song we had was, uh, ended up becoming the song, scary, scary, sexy lady. Although it was originally a song called, I hope your penis falls off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that was the story of I'm the sexy Scorned woman. But that story goes away after, you know, halfway through episode five. And so what, what we, what in thinking about it, what I realized was she, this is the season where she does not know what story to tell herself. She doesn't know where to fit in because her, her world is crumbling. And I think that then if you're, okay, so you're someone who defined yourself by looking at pop culture, looking at the word crazy, the word crazy has been brought up in songs all the time. It's a, it's one of the most like, I mean, common words in pop songs. So then it was just a matter of what are the types of songs that mention being crazy and what are the different angles?
1: Right? I was actually worried about using that word at all because I feel like it's so... I mean, I know it's in the title of our show, and I think it's good to sort of question what that title means. But mm-hmm. it's also a word that's so common in pop music that I was sort of afraid that it just wouldn't sound like anything to people. Like they hear the word song, and it's like you've heard so many songs. So that was a whole conversation we had. Well, how do we, how do we use that song, uh, that word, as a hook and not have it just sound like you're singing like baby or something?
0: You mm-hmm. know? <laughs> and but. it is a little bit more of... And by design, a bit more like disjointed of a theme song because it's you're dealing with four distinct genres in it. And so you f- it finally gels in that last part. But we only have like 30, 40 seconds for the theme song. And so it's it's definitely more conceptual and almost like really like song as sketch as a song than we've done with other theme songs.
1: I feel like I'm hearing chirping birds. Are I you
0: also, hearing? I'm also hearing <laughs> I hear birds. Is that from your end, Jack?
3: It's absolutely from my end I live with a um, I don't know how to describe it Just a giant family of birds (laughs) In my home Um, It all makes sense now Wait but don't they
0: Weren't there birds at your old place That also drove you crazy?
3: Yeah, there's birds everywhere I go, and they seem to me. They're
1: it's, on your shoulder usually. This it's is very
3: just not, but
0: like
1: it always follows
0: you. Like this is not a problem that I've ever had.
3: No, it's a big problem for me, and and honestly, one of them is very, very mean and tries to get me to do things that I know I shouldn't do. But that's the one
1: on your left shoulder.
0: So convincing. I really like the idea of uh, a movie about Jack being a Disney print, the unwilling Disney princess, <laughs> yes. that he can talk to squirrels and birds but he really doesn't want to. <laughs> get away from me. But Jack, we'll help you get ready for the ball. I don't want to. <laughs> I want to go to balls. Has there has there been a
2: song yet where Rebecca has friendly animal helper friends? I feel like that could happen, too.
1: We did some well, Disney-ish there. stuff. That, yeah. Uh, Paula. Paula's, yeah.
0: Paula. Paula. yeah is the Disney princess of the show. That's true. Sorry. And, and, and there's,
3: gonna, I... there's, a, there's a song in a future episode that has some animal stuff going on. And also, <laughs> uh, uh, Nathaniel had a zoo song.
0: Yes. Oh, the zoo song
3: was amazing. Mm-hmm.
0: Yes. That was fantastic. We do have a very fun animal song coming up. Let's just say, There are puppets. <laughs> <laughs> and it was the happiest day. Jack, did you come that day?
3: No, I wasn't there.
0: Oh, man. Dude, it was the happiest. When that episode airs, I'm going to post all the pictures of our crew. It's that it's the most anyone has ever smiled like in the history of mankind.
2: Puppetry yeah. has, has a way of making everything better.
0: Yeah.
3: Um, I'm not com- I'm not comfortable with that that <laughs> level of joy. Group
2: joy like that. That's that really tracks. Well, the the zoo song is a good segue into the fact that the zoo song made me smile and laugh. Um, but this season overall does have a darker tone than the previous two, and I was curious how the three of you are negotiating that in the songwriting, um, you know, th- it seems like the songs are not in general as overtly
3: funny necessarily. Um, well, I think it, it actually pushes, it lends itself towards on the one hand, um, darker comedy, which can mm-hmm. be, you know, harder comedy. And on the other hand, it also lends itself towards sincerity more too. Yeah, maybe that's what I'm detecting. (laughs) Yeah, we've been sort of, I think we've been pulled in both of those polarities. Like we've been, we've had some songs that are a little bit more sincere than we we normally would because of the subject matter. And we've been able to get a little, a little more biting, you know, because of it as well in other songs. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: I think this is our best song season. I, I'm really, really proud and amazed of the work that you guys have, have done.
1: I think it's, I think it is too. I think, I think it's so think fucking good. Really great. I mean, when yeah,
3: you- it's been an exciting year of songwriting and, and they just, the videos have been coming out great. Really, like everyone, every, there's so many people involved in making these things happen, you know, just endlessly, you know, from the songwriting to Rachel scripting the songs, you know, and imagining the, the look of them to the director putting their visual stamp on it and to every, every, piece of the crew and the editing and the music production. It's wild how much effort goes into it. So it's cool in a way. Like each one is a mild miracle to me that it happened.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That was the thing when, when Aline first told me about this show and said that she was planning on doing two or three songs per episode, I was just like what are you talking about? No you're not. You're not like I mean I usually get called to do one song for something and it's like and you have months. You have months. Like yeah, we're thinking in our finale we're doing this song. So, you know, 3 months from now we'll need a demo and you, you know, she just no one told her that you don't do that. So she's like, "No, oh, you know, that's we're going to we're going to do that." And it's ridiculous. I mean, as you know, like with a Broadway show, a Broadway show can take 5 or 10 years, years. to do 15 songs. And this is like, you know, We're doing three a week.
0: And we're a network show. We're not a cable show. We're not, you know, these, for lack of a better term, cushy cable shows, uh, Mm -hmm. which granted they then stiff their writers and that's a whole other story, but they write and then film and then edit. But we are doing it all at once. Um, I mean, while Jack was talking about our process, I started to fall asleep on the mic because (laughs) I, I, uh. I'm in between press stops on this New York press tour right now. I have to be watching episode 10 and I just gave notes on the music videos for episode 10 last night. And then I realized that we have three more episodes to go mm. <laughs> and yeah. now I'm not even filming right can't, now. Can't even zoom out. Oh God, I got to tell you guys, there's a really funny, there was a really, f- well, here's just, I'm not going to say what the song is, but in the duet in episode 10, uh, yeah. There was a really funny gag that we came up with during filming that we filmed on the spot, which like rarely happens, and it totally made it in the cut. And I can't wait for you guys to see it. It's really
1: uh, I, it. I Were love you
0: there it. when we filmed that, Jack?
1: Uh, All you podcast listeners, don't pay attention to yeah. <laughs> this part. This is just between I mean, us. It's a private conversation. Sorry,
0: this is really boring. Uh,
3: I think we wrote. I think we wrote twenty nine songs this year. I'm pretty sure. And oh uh, no, I think uh, it might you know, have been
0: thirty one.
3: Oh, okay. So there you go. And then in the the beginning of every season, like before the so far, before the season has begun, each season, I've kind of had like a mild to severe depression at the thought (laughs) of (laughs) writing like uh, the thought of writing like an entire season's worth of like, you know, 25 to 30 songs. And like, I just feel like, you know, In the beginning of the year, I'm like, well, that's not going to happen. I don't we're going to have to figure something else out because there's just no way that we're going to write that many. This is not possible. And then and then, you know, in this and then we get to like the last two songs to write for the episode. And I'm like, well, it's not possible to write these two more songs. There's just no way. I don't think we can do it. <laughs> we just Which have to just stop cancel the whole show. There's yeah. no chance. Each each song, like each song, feels like it can't. I can't believe it happened when we finished writing it. I'm like, well, that was just luck that we wrote a new song.
0: <laughs> yeah, it does feel kind of kismet-y, doesn't it? I look back on all the songs and I still, they kind of go by in a blur where you're like, how did we do that?
1: I feel like we've just been writing these songs for our entire lives. <laughs> I was never not working writing on this. Writing these. I don't remember a time when I wasn't doing this.
0: Oh, I had a really, I had a really, this is funny for the podcast, but also for us. So I had a pretty (laughs) firm idea of what I wanted this theme song to be for season four. Uh And I was on set (laughs) with Aline, who directed the, uh, the final episode of season three. And I was like, guys, I think this is the theme song. And it was actually something I pitched for season two. And I sang it. And, like, Alden rec- filmed me singing it to Aline and everyone at Video Village because it's like, oh, my God, this is going to be a song. And-, and Aline just looks at me and she's like, no, I don't, I don't think that's
1: <laughs> No. And
0: I'm like, never mind. I'm going to kill myself
1: can't. <laughs>
0: <laughs> never mind. I'm not going to talk about this for a few more months. <laughs> this is all getting very deeply existential for everyone I
3: present. Know. It's I really say.
0: hard. I mean, it's-, it's hard. It's hard work.
3: It's also the most, it- it- by far, really the most, like, creatively explosive thing I've ever been a part of, you know, we've all been creating stuff for a long time and, you know, f- between making like being in a band and making records and producing other artists and making a comedy song, you know, a, a couple comedy songs every couple of months. And uh, out of all the things that we've been writing scripts, like I've never experienced anything this like productive on a creative level and this like exciting uh, creatively than writing these songs with Rachel and Adam. I mean, it's just, I, I, it, I truly, it's so cliche, but it really is like a once in a lifetime opportunity.
1: The other thing that's pretty cool, I have to say, and we kind of take it for granted is like, we don't get any notes on the songs from the network. I mean, we basically just, what the only yeah. the only notes come from ourselves and from Aline and like and standards, standards, standards and, practices. and practices, you know, just if there's, we push it in terms of what they'll let us air just for, profanity or whatever mm-hmm. but but i mean we don't get any we pretty much have free reign to do whatever we want creatively and that's something that i don't think we realize how lucky we are because most television stuff that i've worked on there's like these other multiple levels of notes that you get on music from people that don't know anything about music and you have to sort of fend off all these crazy hmm. note, nonsensical notes and try to not bum people out and we just don't ever get to that at it's all true.
3: that's such a good point it's adam true. you're yeah. totally right and it's then a we great just, point. And, yeah, and, and we just mean, get to put them on well, TV. It's incredible. We've been we've been putting you know in every song in the initial draft we put the phrase "raging boner" in, and we still haven't gotten <laughs> it through. But uh,
0: I think the, we can say "raging." I think we can say "raging boner" on. What t- if it was?
1: Yeah, we can we say that? Said it faster, maybe. Yeah, I mean, we, we can say this. we can
0: say boner. I think we you can, can say "raging boner." <laughs> yeah, I think you can say I had a rate. Uh,
1: uh, but if we have the French accent like
0: around? Well, no, no. Okay, Nathaniel was talking about being erect. No, we had to change. She said,
3: we, <laughs> If we can say Raging Boner, then why haven't we done the I song, that I, song I wrote, Raging Boner? Well, <laughs> Jack, that
0: wasn't much a song as you just heavily breathing into the phone at 3 a.m. and then just sending us a recording of that with those like half mumbled lyrics. And I think I heard like, I a, a bathtub running too.
3: I can't control where the inspiration comes from.
0: I forget the exact lyric, but there was a moment in the Sexy Fosse number yeah. with the I want to
3: choke, choke on us. your yes.
2: cocksuredness. That, yes, is that, that is a Jack. A- that is a Jack. That
0: is a Jack Dalton joke. And that originally wasn't in the first the first uh, cut of the song. And then uh, the original lyric that I wrote was, um, I say you're so mean, but, dude, I'm so wet. And then to cover the word wet, Rebecca, like, gets soaked with water bottles <laughs> And S&P was like, you can't say I'm so wet, like even if we're justifying it retroactively with her actually being soaking wet. So I was like n- pretty certain that this line would get out. I was like, OK, can we place it with like uh, shock me with your luridness? Let me choke on your cocksuredness. They're like, yeah, I, work <laughs> yeah, sure. I was.
2: Shocked. Yeah. I feel like luridness and cocksuredness is like a Gershwin level rhyme.
1: <laughs> that's yeah. incredible.
2: You, can, you, yeah, can, that's you guys can part. all just like be done. Cock- fine. Yeah, that, You've accomplished
1: everything. <laughs> Choke
0: on your cocksuredness was the Jack joke. Luridness was my rhyme, and I definitely that's like in my self esteem spank bank. That rhyme. <laughs> like whenever <laughs> that's I need, incredible. whenever I need to like touch myself and think about rhymes that I've contributed. That's going to be the first
1: line of your obituary. Self-esteem that that you wrote that couplet.
0: Adam, what's What's the like number one thing in your self esteem spank bank? The thing you're like, I'm, fu- I'm so fucking proud of this.
1: Oh, God. Whenever I'm no. feeling
0: down about myself. I mean, you're not in for an Oscar, that's pretty anything. amazing. That's yeah. why
1: I'm so depressed. Yeah, it's, well, yeah. I, I can't think of anything. I don't know. That, I mean, it's
0: like in this show, what's the thing you're proudest of in your self esteem spank bank?
1: Oh, brother. I'm dealing with all of you on a daily basis. <laughs> Jesus. Um, uh, I don't know. I don't know. I really, really can't answer what, that. What lippy? Question.
0: I mean, I, you I like, busted that out.
1: I I, there, I like that song a lot. I mean, that song is a little bit – that's from season one. It's yeah. a song, song that – I don't know if you know that one, but Greg sang it on, on the piano. Um, I was proud of that song. That's a good one. Yeah. I mean, I uh, – oh, man.
2: I really do like the song where Greg makes very clear to everyone that he's been an
0: alcoholic all along. That is a Jack – that is a Jack dolt oh.
1: uh, Greg's oh, drinking
3: that, song, yeah. Greg's oh, Greg's – yeah. I uh, guess
0: – Jack, is that part of your self esteem spank bank, or what would you say well, you're proudest of?
3: I think that the thing that gets keeps my self esteem up that I'm pr- proudest most of is 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 the decision I made to, to see a psychopharmacologist so that <laughs> yeah I finally <laughs> got the medicine that I need to, to, to survive. But the, other than that, yeah, I think the initial the the initial um, the initial uh, version of the Greg's drinking song was very dirty and unusable. Um, and it was just, he was just singing, I shit my pants. And that was basically, yeah.
1: The, yeah. Oh
0: yeah. I shit my pants. They walk in the bar and find shit on my pants. I say, yeah. Oh my God, there's shit on your pants. Yeah. It was just all about Greg
3: shitting his pants. Uh, so I'm proud of that.
2: Amazing. Um, going back to this season, Uh, I think that the whole Swim Chan episode was like very ambitious and very well done. Um, And I have to ask about getting the Grobster involved because
0: I really enjoy Josh Groban all the time. Why him? Why now? And how did that happen? Um, Well, I I had already like kind of talked to him on Twitter a little bit, like just because we're mutually fans of each other. I saw him at the Tony Awards and he he was so kind to me and he knew of the show and then so we just started like um I think I like guys number then I was like let's hang out whenever you're in LA and then we were looking for this idea of doing a big finale end of the movie song and you know it's the idea is that like in this movie in Rebecca's head this is the hit single this is the my heart will go on of of this movie in her mind and it was like well we need ideally like an actual famous person and I was like hey Josh Groban's really cool <laughs>
3: I thought he added so much to the song too. Oh, his just, his just like his subtle, the subtle like um, imprint he made on the phrasing and and his performance in the video. He it was just fantastic. You know, I have a I have like a general allergy to cameo stunt, you know, casting kind of stuff because I just think it's like it's using so it's just stupid. But he was like. He was an absolute value add. It was like, it was a creative bonus. It wasn't like, oh, we just got a famous person. It was like, we made it better.
2: No, he is completely the right person at the right time in the right song. Of course,
1: that that put me in the position of having to send a demo of me singing to Josh Groban. (laughs) Here, here Josh Groban, it should sound like this. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I did.
2: Well, with that allergy to stunt casting... Mentioned, are there, do you guys have a wish list of people like Josh that you'd like to have on the show? I feel like Ra- Rachel and I might share, we share a love of one D. Murph.
1: We, for once. Wait, what about, um, oh, sure.
0: I mean, it, yeah, it's also, yeah.
1: I was going to say, um, Judgmental Framing by Amelia. Oh, we have a good idea for that. God, I, oh, there God.
0: Was, oh guys, there, <laughs> there was a song that the three of us wrote. Oh, God. I mean, we really wrote it. I mean, it's like, Really split another. We he, it was the most fun writing song session we've ever had. It was a song written for Rebecca's mother in episode five that just didn't it didn't work with the story necessarily. But there was a a rap bridge in it that we basically wrote for Lin Manuel Miranda that like we don't we've been trying to get him. I mean I've said to him repeatedly like let me know if whenever you're free to do an episode we'll write a song for you or you know we'll write a part for you. But he's he's so busy, um, and it's. Oh my god, that song's so good. We have to do it in season four.
1: She was. Can we say what the or are we? Holding yeah, who cares? On? So basically, like in the middle of this song, she was going to go to this. Real, she keeps worrying about what the guy at the framing store is going to well, think. Well, no, 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 of no wait. Her. Okay, okay. It was.
0: Let me <laughs> give. Wait, let me back it up because. Okay. Sorry, this is what I do to my husband all the time. Okay, it, it you was, tell the story.
1: No, I'll tell it. <laughs> it was a song up, up. called.
0: Um, forget it, forget it, where Rebecca's mother's like, So you want to do all these things? Forget it. And it was based on a conversation that we had with Tova Feldshu about her mother, who was always saying, Forget it, forget it. And that's a thing that Jewish parents say. And so it was, it was a, like a sexy pop song called Forget It. And then she goes, What am I, when I <laughs> what am I going to say Emil- to Emilio at the frame store? Forget it. And then we cut to, cause Amelia at the frame store. And I remember the rap, it went, uh, and the frame store was called,
1: Judgmental Framing by Emilio. Yeah. And then, <laughs> That's the name of the story. And the rap
0: was, and the rap was like, Ugh, moms always worry about what semi-stranger's going to say. And they're right. We think about it all day. <laughs> and then it was like something, something. We don't have our own kids and our own lives. Damn, Naomi, thought you was a good mom. I'm going to mess up all your frames from now on. <laughs> 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 we were so excited. Oh, my God. I can yeah. hear Lynn saying, "Damn Naomi!" Damn too. Naomi! Thought you yeah. was a good. Yeah, maybe we'll do that in season four. It's okay if we spoiled it a little totally on this podcast. Like. That doesn't matter. Yes. Well, God, that was a good song. <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, yeah, there've been, they've been uh, there's not room for all of them. We have a, a lot of good ones that were on the cutting room floor. We
0: should do a CD at the end of the at the end of the the season series where we just fully produce like some of the cut songs.
3: Yeah, I mean, we have some demos up on Spotify of songs that didn't make it. Yeah. That are kind of fun to hear if you're
2: well, speaking out. I'll be back in touch when you complete the Boba song. <laughs>
0: um, oh, I'm sure Definitely.
2: you will. I am sure
0: <laughs> you will. I'll say hi. Podcast yeah. in hand, lawyer on your right. <laughs> yes.
3: Yeah.
0: Podcast I, is a thing your you reputation
3: carry. for being litigious is very <laughs> intense. It precedes yeah. me, yes. Very bad. <laughs> well, thank you, all three of you. This was really thank fun. Thank you so much. RPA.
0: Why do men never listen and only think about themselves? As opposed to women who always listen and never think about themselves. Ooh, I hear you, girl. Let's generalize about men. Let's generalize about men. Let's get super lit and not end it. This is some kind of primal ritual we need now and
2: then. If you like the Billboard on Broadway podcast, please subscribe and give us nice reviews and maybe some stars on iTunes. You can also find us on Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, among other platforms. If you would like to find me on social media, I'm on Twitter at Rebecca Millsoff, on Instagram at YadownWithRMM. And you can always put your opinions on the podcast out into the world with the hashtag BillboardOnBroadway. Hope to have you back next week. Blah, 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 blah.